Good morning, church. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, we're so glad that you chose to jump in with us this morning, and we hope that you are finding in the songs that we're singing, in the scriptures that we're reading, that you're finding the hope of God this morning. Uh, Today we want to look at the love of God in distance and in closeness. The love of God in distance and in closeness. So turn in your Bible. Hopefully you have a Bible. You're at home, so no excuse. Go to the bookshelf. Dust it off. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. We're going to read a short passage, but a passage full of great truth for us this morning. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. It says, When he came down from the mountain... Great crowds followed him. And of course, that's Jesus. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is God's Word. Today we're going to look at four quick points. The first one, in love, God distanced himself from us. In love, God distanced himself from us. So obviously, we're all living in this social distancing thing, and we're getting used to that, and... um, Maybe you're struggling with that. You're struggling to obey it. Maybe you're one of those people that's going down to the cherry blossoms when you really shouldn't be going down to the cherry blossoms or whatever it might be. Um, Or maybe you're just going stir crazy at home. God in love distanced himself from us. As we think about the distancing that we're doing from each other out of love, and this, that's what we keep saying, we're going to distance, we're going we're gonna to live stream our services out of love for our neighbor, out of love for one another, because we don't want to get each other sick. And so actually this, this is a, a picture of how God has dealt with us throughout much of redemptive history. You say, well, where, where in Matthew 8 do we see God distancing himself from us? It's in the leper. It's in the leper. The leper is distanced from the people, from the community. But that goes all the way back in your Old Testament to the law. And it goes all the way back to something called purity laws, that you will find if you take the time and you read books like Exodus and you read books like Leviticus. If you read Leviticus 13 and 14, which since you're stuck at home, you got nothing better to do, so dive into Leviticus this week. So Leviticus 13 and 14, you will get a crash course on leprosy. And what you're going to see is that when somebody contracted a skin disease back then, they were now considered unclean or impure. And as a result, 
they could not go into the tabernacle. They could not go into the courtyard of the tabernacle. Or, or in later years, they could not go into the courtyard of the temple. They were, in fact, kicked out of the city completely. They had to go out and live in the hills. They had to go out and live in the countryside. They had to walk around. They, had to li- they literally were, were told, make sure your hair is messed up and you have to wear old clothes so that when people see you, they'll know you're a leper. And, and everywhere you went, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that everybody would know not to come near you. Now, why did God do that? Were these, were these folks actually sinful? Were they actually more impure, less holy than others? And the answer is no, they actually weren't. But God was using the physical to show a spiritual truth. There were many things in the Old Testament that could make you unclean. Touching a dead body would make you unclean. Uh, All kinds of bodily functions would make you unclean. These were not sinful. In fact, if you read Leviticus 13 and 14 about leprosy, it never says, oh, these people, God never says to Moses, oh, these people are going to get leprosy because they're dirty, rotten sinners. He doesn't say that. He just says, when someone gets leprosy, in other words, it's assumed people are going to get sick. It's assumed people are going to contract skin diseases. And when they do, separate them. I got a text earlier this week that said, Brady, is this, is this, and by this they meant the pandemic, is this God cursing us? Is this God punishing us? Listen to me, church. It's important for us to understand that God is not functioning on a one-for-one system where every time we sin, he then afflicts us with something terrible. In John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples run into a blind guy, and the disciples say, hey, Jesus, who sinned? Did he sin or did his mom and dad sin? And Jesus said, nobody sinned. He's, just, he's blind so that you'll see the glory of God. In Luke 13, people come up to Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, there's been a massacre. Pilate, the governor of the area, the Roman governor of the area, has killed a bunch of Jews. Were they just getting what they deserved? And Jesus says, What? Do you think, do you think that they, because they were worse sinners, they died? Do you think because the, the Tower of Siloam, and, and Jesus references a current event. He says, do you think when the Tower of Siloam fell over and 18 people died, do you think it was because they were worse people? He says, no. This happened so that you might repent. You see, God isn't functioning with us on, oh, we're terrible people and so, oh, coronavirus. Oh, the, the people that are getting sick, they're the big sinners. And those, all of us that are holy people, we're staying safe. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But all of this is so that we might come to repentance. All of this is used by God to reveal our own hearts. So why? Why this picture? Why, why purity laws? Why isolate a leper? Because sin isolates us from God. God, all, ever since Genesis 3, when humanity sinned, we have had, the, we've had this immense problem. Here's the problem. We can't live with God, and we can't live without God. That has been the human problem since Genesis 3. We can't live with God because he's so holy and righteous. To be in his presence would consume us. But we also can't live without God because without his love and grace, 
we're all doomed. And so God, all throughout your Bible, all throughout redemptive history, God has practiced social distancing. He's been close, but not too close. I'll be with you, but I'm behind a veil. I'll be with you, but I'm in a tent. Oh, and by the way, only one guy on one day in the year can go in and see me. I'm with you enough so that you can have my grace, but I'm not with you so close that I destroy you. And so God, all throughout redemptive history, he's appeared as burning bushes, and he's appeared as smoke, and he's appeared as whirlwinds, and all that kind of stuff. Social distancing in order to protect us because he loves us. Why? Because of our sin. Because our sin has separated us from God. Here's, my, here's a question to talk about. Here's a question to think about. Can you see how your sin would separate you from God? You say, well, Brady, my, my sins don't outweigh my goods. My bads don't outweigh. I'm basically a good guy. I'm basically a good girl. And so I'm pretty sure that I would not be separated from God. I'm pretty sure if I died today, God would put all my stuff on the cosmic scale and my good would outweigh my bad. But you see, there's a huge problem with that because God is so pure and so holy, it only takes one bad to mean that you are separated from God forever. So let me ask you this. Have you done one sin in your life? Now, if you're honest, you're saying, I've done one sin in the last hour, Brady. I've done, I've done hundreds of sins just this weekend. If we're honest, if we're honest, you see, if we're functioning, if we are functioning, like most of the world thinks, if we are functioning off of a good outweighing my bad system, we are all doomed. How much, how much of the virus does it take to make you sick? How much of the virus does it take? Oh, I only got a little bit of the virus. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I only got a little corona. So I can still go hang out with people because I don't have it bad. I only got it a little bit. No, you wouldn't do that, would you? You'd say, I've been exposed, I might have it, I'm staying away. And that's how it is with God. Our sin exposes us to something that's destroying. He's so holy, he's so pure, he's so righteous. It's not a scale system, it's a perfection system. We have to be perfect or else. Number two, in greater love, God came close to heal us. So in love, God distanced himself from us, but in even greater love, God came close. And of course, that's Jesus Christ. That's the story of Jesus Christ. It, Matthew 8 starts, when he came down from the mountain. That's brilliant. God coming down. That's a theme all throughout your Bible. God comes down. God, co God comes down to see what's going on at the Tower of Babel. God comes down and, and look at Sodom and Gomorrah to see what's going on. God comes down and meets Moses on Mount Sinai. God keeps coming down to see what's happening, what's going on. And this is how God functions with us. He distances himself, but his heart is to be with us. He loves us so much. He longs to be with us. So what did God do? Jesus is God the Son, and God the Son put on flesh. He became one of us. He, God didn't just come down. All throughout the Old Testament, God came down as God, 
to see us. But in the New Testament, God came down as man to see us. Both God and man. He came down as God and man. He left his distancing. He left his isolation. And he came down to reveal to us the heart of God. The heart of God for those that he loves. This is the even greater love of God. You see, because Jesus wants us to be healed and he wants us to be holy. Jesus wants us to be healed and he wants us to be holy. Okay, back to the leper. The leper's got two problems, not just one. It's easy to see the one problem. He's sick. We, we can see the, he needs healing. He needs a physical healing. But what does, what's the language the leper uses? He doesn't say, Jesus or Lord, if you will, you can make me well. Or you can make me not sick. He says, you can make me clean. Because in his culture, if you had leprosy, they didn't just see it as you're sick. They saw it as, you're not holy. You're impure. You, you're an outcast. Not just because you got a disease, but because you're obviously a bad person. And so this man is asking, not just for a physical healing, but he's, he's asking for a full restoration. This guy's never been to church. His church would have been the temple or the synagogue. He's never been. He can't go. He's an outcast. He's pushed out. He needs a healing, and he needs a spiritual healing. What does Jesus do when he heals him? Jesus could have just said the words. We know that because in other stories, Jesus just says things, and it happens. But Jesus does something amazing in this story, doesn't he? It says that he touched him. Obviously, this shows the compassion of Jesus and the courage of Jesus. But it's deeper than that even. In the book of Exodus, chapter 30, God has given them all the instructions on how to build the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, God's tent. And you're going to have a table, and you're going to have a lampstand, and you're going to have a little altar of incense, and you're going to have a big altar, and you're going to have all, all these poles. And then what you're going to do is you're going to grind up some oil, and the oil is holy, and you're going to take the holy oil, and you're going to wipe it on everything. You're going to wipe it on the table. You're going to wipe it on the lamp. You're going to wipe it on the altars. You're going to wipe it on the posts. You're going to, you're going to anoint everything with the holy oil. And then in Exodus 30, it says something truly amazing. It says this, And anything that touches what is holy will be made holy. What? Anything that touches what is holy. You see, the, anything that their thought was, anything that touches the disease gets the disease. And there's truth to that. But they forgot another truth in their Bible. Anything that touches the holy gets the holy. Jesus is the holy, isn't he? And so he's not just touching the leper to show his compassion. Obviously, that's part of it. But he's touching the leper to show, I am the Holy One. You can catch my holiness. You can be infected with my holiness. 
just by believing, just by coming close, you can, you can have what I have. You can have the imputed holiness of me. You see, Jesus wants us to be healthy. Jesus cares about our bodies. But he cares way more about our souls. He cares way more about our holiness. Listen, in this life, Jesus' is top priority is not for us to be physically healthy. His top priority is for us to be holy. Because after we die, he can fix the healthy part. He'll fix the body part. He's got a plan for that. He loves us. He loves us physically. He loves our physical bodies. And he's, and he's got a plan for that. It's called the resurrection. His plan for now his primary agenda today is to make us holy. So our question becomes, will you trust your closeness to God? Will you trust in the holiness of Jesus Christ? Will you trust that Jesus Christ came close and on the cross, on the cross, died for us? He took our place. He took our sin, our disease upon himself so that we might be healed, we might be saved, all guilt removed, all sins atoned for by Christ. And so now, in Christ, for those of you that hear my voice and are saved, for those of you listening that are a Christian, there is no more social distancing by God. God is no longer distant from you. God is no longer behind a veil. God, God is no longer in a bush. God is no longer in a smoke cloud. God is in you. He's as close as he's going to get. He indwells your life, your spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has connected and joined with your spirit. And we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8. There is no distancing. You are close and you are forever close. Do you believe that? Do you trust that today? Is that your hope in life and death? Your closeness to Jesus. Number three, we must approach God with humble faith. So these last two points, a couple, you know, lessons, a couple more. This is the lesson of the leper, the example of the leper. Let's think about how the leper goes to Jesus. And we learn a lot from this. We can learn how to approach Jesus. Really, this is a lesson in how to pray. Hopefully your prayer, your prayer game has gone up in the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, you're, maybe you haven't prayed in a long time, but you're praying now. I hope. I hope. And maybe you're wondering, how do I pray? What do, how, what do I say? What do I, what do I say to God? What do I say to Jesus? First thing we notice is that we need to come as the leper. When you read Matthew 8, 1 through 4, I hope immediate, your immediate thought should be in the story, it should be, I'm the leper. <laughs> I'm, I'm the desperate guy. I'm the outcast guy. I'm the sick guy. And not just physically, like we learn, not just physically sick, but I am spiritually sick. And this guy cannot heal himself, can he? This, le this leper cannot heal himself. He's infected not only with a physical disease, but with a hopelessness, isn't he? Do you see your need? Hopefully, 
I mean, let me, let me back up. You know, obviously we, like Bryce said a little earlier, we don't boast in any sickness. We don't boast in any disease. We don't boast in a pandemic, obviously. We lament it. This is tragic. We are praying hard that it goes away and that God in his mercy stays the hand like he did in the Old Testament. He stops the hand of the angel, so to speak. God, we are praying for that. But listen, one of the good things that can come of this is that these times will reveal what's in our hearts, won't it? It will reveal the sin in us. It will reveal the idolatry, the pride. Are you letting this trial, this, this um, devastation that we're walking through, are you letting it reveal your own heart? I pray that you are. So how do we go to God? How do we go to Jesus in the midst of this? How are you approaching? Here's a question to ask. How are you approaching God in the midst of this distress? So let's notice a couple things from the leper. First, we saw this with Jehoshaphat last week. Before he does anything, he worships. He comes to Jesus and he bows down in front of Jesus. He kneels down before him. This story is also in Luke and in Mark's Gospels, and they use the language of him bowing down. He's kneeling down. He's worshiping the Lord. Before anything is said, before anything is done, he throws himself down. He comes in worship. He comes in submission. He addresses him as Lord, Master, Before you do anything, when you pray, is your first step, your first move, the first thing you do as you approach the throne, is it worship? Is it submissive worship? Notice also there's this this contrast that, that plays together. He comes in boldness and humility at the same time. He comes boldly and humbly at the same time. So Christian, that's us. We go to God boldly and humbly. Where's boldness in the story? He's in the town. He's not even allowed to be there. He's breaking the law. This guy's supposed to be out in the hills crying unclean, living in a cave or something like Ben-Hur. So Instead, he's down off the hill, and he's in the town finding Jesus. He's boldly coming in because he knows that this is the one person that can do something. I've tried everything else. This guy can do it. Jesus can do it. Do you run boldly to God? But he also comes humbly. You may notice his language to Jesus. Lord, if you will you can make me clean. Notice there's not a demand in that. There's there's not even a request. He doesn't even really ask for anything. It's a declaration. He just just says, "If, if you want to, you can do it. Instead of, instead of can you, his approach is you can. Instead of can you, His approach is, you can. He comes in boldness. He comes in humility. And obviously, we wrap it all up by saying he's coming in faith. 
He's got faith in what Jesus can do. He's got faith that Jesus can do it. I believe that Jesus can do this, that Jesus can heal. Are you worshiping? Are you declaring? Are your prayers mostly just ask, 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 ask? Or are your prayers worship and declaration first? And then the asks. It's not wrong to ask. Right? It's not wrong to ask. Ask, seek, knock. That was literally just a couple chapters before this story in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He tells us to ask. He tells us to seek. He tells us to knock on the door. But the leper shows us that we must go to him with worship and declaration before the requesting. Okay, now I want to I wanna do a little side trip, and I want to talk about this important question. Why does our faith sometimes not heal us? This is something that maybe you've been asking in this time. Maybe, maybe it's not just this season that we're in. Maybe, maybe you have been sick personally. Maybe you have loved ones that got, have cancer, or maybe they have Alzheimer's, or maybe they have chronic pain. And so we wrestle as Christians with this big question all the time, don't we? Why is it that if I have faith, I'm not receiving a healing? And we've seen churches, I've seen pastors and churches on social media get up and say, we have faith, we're going to meet anyway. We believe that God will protect us. We don't care what the government says. We're going to get all of our church together. Church, that's foolish. That's foolishness. First of all, notice in the passage that there is not a promise here of healing. There's a promise of the will of God being done. The leper goes to Jesus and he says, if you will, I know that you can. And so the promise that we get out of Matthew 8 is not that if we go to Christ in faith, he will heal us of our physical issues. The promise we get is that if we go to Christ in faith, Christ will do his will. Christ will do what Christ wants to do. Now listen, as Christians, we have got to be agnostics when it comes to physical healing. We just don't know. We just don't know. I don't know if Jesus is going to heal you of your cancer. I don't know if Jesus is going to heal you of, of, of your depression, of your anxiety, of your virus. I don't know. As your pastor, I cannot declare, I do not have an express promise in Scripture that says we will all day by day be healed of our physical ailments and our physical diseases. Also, we must be careful, Christians, never to make the Christian life about the amount of faith we have as if, if we have more faith, Christ will heal us of our physical issues, of our physical diseases. The Christian life is not about the amount of faith you have, because as soon as it becomes that, faith now becomes a work. Do you see it? Faith now becomes, oh, as long as I have more faith and I achieve a higher level of faith, now I receive more of the blessing of God. And so now my faith is in my faith. My faith is really just in me and my own ability to conjure up from deep inside of me some level of faith. 
Rather, my faith has to be, my object of faith has to be Christ and His work. And again, let me repeat, the work of Christ on the cross is now achieving your holiness, and one day it will achieve your physical healing. Also, why does our faith not heal us? Here's the ultimate answer. It does. Your faith will heal you. But like we've been saying, maybe not now. Jesus' answer to you, if you're struggling physically today and you've been praying, God, take it away. God, take it away. I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it. And then you're saying, why isn't God taking it away? Listen to me. Jesus' answer to you is not no. His answer to you is not now. His answer to you is not yet. Because he wants us to long for heaven more than anything else. Even more than healing. Even more than the end of the pandemic. Jesus wants his church to long for heaven. And if the pandemic causes that in us, if it stirs that in us, then praise God. Do we pray for the end of the pandemic? Yes. But an even deeper prayer to pray is to say, Jesus, would you stir in us the hope of heaven? Would you stir up in us a longing to see our Savior face to face? Paul said it this way, and Bryce read it a little bit earlier, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, you might remember, this is Paul praying for something to be taken away. Do you remember? He talked about this a little bit, a couple verses earlier. He says, I have a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. But whatever it was, it wasn't fun. It wasn't pleasant. And Paul says, three times I prayed that God would take this thing away. And all three times God said no. And then, and then here is the response. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then verse 10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, why doesn't, why doesn't our faith always just automatically heal us? Because Christ is more concerned with your holiness than he is with your physical healing. That may not be the answer you wanted to hear this morning. I'm sorry, but that is the answer. And so often God will allow you to walk with a thorn, walk with Jacob's limp, walk with a disease, walk with chronic pain, walk through a calamity. Why? Because it is in that season that you learn to boast in the cross. You learn to trust in the grace of God above everything else. Number four, our lesson from Jesus. We had our lesson from the leper. Now our lessons from Jesus. If we are in Christ and if Christ is in us, then we can learn from Jesus, can't we? We can see the example of Christ, the example of someone who approached others in love. 
We must approach others in love. Now, obviously, we have to caveat this because we're all doing social distancing. And so when I say approach others in love this morning, that does not mean that you go knock on their door this afternoon and force your way into their house and drop off the brownies. That's not what I mean. Okay? There may be a time when we as Christians have to show courage and we do have to physically enter into someone's disease and into someone's desperation. That, that time may come. And the church has done that in times past. The first century church did that in Rome when a plague came into Rome and Christians stayed in the city and literally went and physically ministered to people, right? Martin Luther talks about how when the plague came into Wittenberg when, back in 1527, and he actually wrote a little pamphlet about it, and he says, I'm going to stay. A lot of people are running, they're fleeing the city, but I'm going to stay. I'm not going to go near people uh, just because, you know, recklessly, but if someone is suffering, I will go near if they need my help. Now, obviously, our situation is a little different. We got medical professionals, we got hospitals, and so we're going to use wisdom in this whole thing, aren't we? But we can still draw near one another, and it is crucial, church, that we draw near one another, that we come close in creative ways, that we spread. What are, so here's my question What are you spreading? <laughs> Hopefully you're not spreading a disease. <laughs> Please don't. And if that means stay home, then stay home. But are you spreading love? Are you spreading hope? Are you spreading peace and courage? What is the message that you are sending during this time? What are you putting on social media? What are you saying to the people that you are talking to, that the people that you're calling? I pray that we as a church will use this as an opportunity to be more united than ever, more loving than ever. And listen, I just want to say, I just want to, I'll, I'll kind of I'll wrap this up with, church, I, I see you doing it. I see Christians doing it. You are encouraging me. You are my hero. Keep being a hero. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep distancing. You're being a hero. If you're distancing, you're being a hero. It is the loving thing to do. Keep being friendly. Look, just because we're all walking through this thing doesn't mean that when you're taking your walk in the neighborhood and somebody else is coming the other way, it doesn't mean that you have to divert your eyes and hide behind a bush, does it? You can be friendly, church. Continue to do that. Say hello, wave, talk from six feet away or whatever you need to do. Be friendly in the grocery stores. When you're running out for those things you need, be friendly. Say thank you to the cashier. Say thank you to the people that are going to work still that probably don't want to be going to work still, but they're there for you so that you can buy what you need. Keep sharing tips online. For all of the moms and dads that are home with their kids and are suddenly homeschool parents and never signed up for that before. Thank you to all of you who are making, you know, putting the links to museum tours and science experiments. Thank you. You are our heroes. Keep doing it. Keep sharing your talents online. If you play an instrument and if you sing or, or whatever, if you do it well, you know, if you do it well, caveat it. You know, if you're good at it. Put it online to encourage us all, right? So that we can all be blessed by that. That's awesome. Parents, keep comforting your children. 
Parents, don't lose it in front of your kids. Stay, stay with them. Comfort them. Answer their questions honestly. Don't lie to your kids. Talk to them about what's going on. Kids, if you're home, you might be home with your parents for weeks, days, weeks. Be obedient. I'm looking at you. I'm looking right at the camera. Kids, look at me. Obey your parents. Honor them. Go to bed when they say go to bed. Clean up the room when they say clean up the room. Go outside and play when they say go outside and play. Please. Be a hero. That's how you can, you can be a blessing and love them. Guys, keep, keep sharing supplies. I heard the story of somebody in the Aldi a couple days ago. Two packs of toilet paper left on the shelf. That was it. And there, you know, it was out of the movies, right? They're heading for the last two packs. And the other person's heading for the last two packs. And, and they got there first. And what did they do? Would you like a pack of toilet paper? And they shared with the other person. Praise God. Be a hero. Be Christ. Share. Share with those in need. Keep connected. Small group leaders, listen to me. Get connected. Stay connected. Hold your group in some way or another, even if it's just texting. Set up, um, set up the Skype. Set up the Google. Set up the Facebook. Whatever you got to do, stay connected. Sunday morning teachers, find creative ways to stay connected. Keep reaching out. You're doing it. I see you guys doing it. Keep doing it. Keep taking care of the sick. Keep sharing scriptures online. Listen to me. If you're, one of, if you're like me and you're one that struggles with anxiety and depression, we need you right now. You've, you know how to walk through this. You have done it. And you have trusted Christ. And now the rest of us are jumping into anxiety and panic world and depression world with you. Teach us how to do it. Share with us the scriptures that have comforted you for years, maybe. This is the time for you to step up. Those of you that have struggled with those things for years and have learned to trust God in the middle of it. And lastly, keep sharing the gospel. Keep sharing the gospel. This is not an opportunity for the gospel to take a break. This is not an opportunity for us to shut down. This is an opportunity for the gospel to go forth boldly courageously, creatively, in love. Church, we have a wonderful, merciful Savior. We're going to sing that song in a second. As we already sang, He holds us fast. We're alive because He lives. Do you believe it? I pray that you do. I pray that you do. Will you, like, like me, with me, will you with me, look death in the face, look death in the eye, and declare that we have a Savior who not only will, can do it, but will do it, has already done it for us on the cross. Will you declare that with me today and every day as we walk through this together? Will you pray with me? God, you are our wonderful, merciful Savior, as we'll sing in a second here. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. God, we need you Jesus, we need you. Jesus, thank you for doing the work and completing the work for us already on the cross, in your resurrection. The tomb is empty. We trust this. God, continue to allow us to be courageous 
Allow us to continue to, to live out the life of Christ, the light of Christ, wherever we are, wherever we may be, even if it's from home. Allow us to find ways to do that and to declare your goodness and grace each and every day. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.